All of the podcasts here at the Sideshow Network are now with the touch of a button on your iPhone and iPad. With the new Sideshow Network app, tune into all your favorite podcasts here at the Sideshow Network. Go to iTunes App Store, search for Sideshow Network, and download our free app to stream all of your favorite Sideshow Network podcasts at any time you want. The top comedians in the world are at your fingertips with the Sideshow Network app for iPhone and iPad. everybody, welcome to another episode of Innovation Crush. My name is Chris Denson, uh, at Densonology on Twitter. I haven't been doing that lately, on, uh, but uh, also to my right is Allison. I'm, I'm talking to her, so <laughs> she's looking, looking at me like, uh-huh, you did not do that. Um, Allison, say hello. Hello, to the, everybody. To the people. She is my uh, incredible guest co-host this week. I know you're you're good. You, you've been rocking it. Um, former director of marketing at a, a pretty well known agency. He's worked in publicity and you know some pretty cool clients. What, you never you haven't talked about any of the clients you worked with. You, can you name like let's top three back in entertainment publicity? Favorite three. Favorite or most high profile? Uh, it's very different. Yeah, uh, you pick. Most high profile, I would have to say, would be American Idol, the television show. Yes. Motley Crue. Reunion tour. I'm not that old. And <laughs> uh, Snoop Dogg. Ah, not okay. bad. Not bad. Right. And uh, the chuckle we just heard was from a man uh, by the name of Jeff Gomez. Say hello, Jeff. Hey, guys. How are you today? I'm doing great. I just uh, landed in Orange County, California. Oh, you're here. Ooh. Oh, well, not here, here, but you're here. Yeah, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm showing up at a... Uh, a gaming convention. I'm nice. Going to be speaking about uh, game development here. That's awesome. I was going to say I, w- I was making sure you were invited. You know, I, I have a tendency to show up to places and no right. one, no one's asked. <laughs> um, so I, in my notes, I kind of as I was thinking about you, I go in my mind. I'm like Jeff Gomez is kind of the godfather of transmedia. Um, it, it, ha, have you ever heard that? Like, has anyone else referred to you as such? Uh, on the uh, nicer end of the spectrum, <laughs> Godfather, I've heard some pretty nasty uh, appellations <laughs> in addition. Um, I, I, um, I, I'm good at it. That's let's let's put it that way. <laughs> very very confident. Um, and so, and um, I'm going to just start with the basics, right? Um, define the term transmedia. Well, um, transmedia all by itself, um, uh, to, to me, doesn't mean all that much. It simply means uh, uh, transcending different media platforms. Where transmedia gets exciting is when you combine it with transmedia storytelling, transmedia narrative, transmedia production. Um, now you're getting into a situation where um, the story becomes, in essence, distributed across different media platforms. So transmedia is kind of a, a, a subgroup under the umbrella of cross-media or cross-platform. Uh, that term that started getting batted around in the 1970s when uh, uh, cable television started started uh, uh, showing repeats of the Brady Bunch, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a cross-platform uh, piece of content now. Huh, right. You know? Um, uh, transmedia 
uh, distinguishes itself, I think, uh, by having that not be a repeated piece of content across different media platforms, but uh, different aspects of the story or story world or even the brand uh, across different media platforms so that the um, the consumer, the audience, the participant starts to kind of piece these elements together and uh, becomes, uh, uh, in the process, more and more deeply involved in the story. Right. Um, you touched on something really interesting is, you know, mentioning the 1970s, <laughs> which, you know... It, you you definitely wouldn't use the term transmedia then, but you like but the principles were there. And, and I I once heard you at a at an event. I think it was at the Producers Guild, and you told the story about how in your childhood, you know, transmedia was a was a different form. You talked about I forget what the show was, but it was a comic book, then a TV series, then a movie. Can you kind of and not to throw you on the uh, you know under the bus or on the spot here, but <laughs> can can you kind of recall that um, that story? You know, and just how you explained transmedia hasn't, it's not that new. It's not as new as we kind of think of it, you know, in our heads. No, no. I mean, you know, uh, hey, uh, transmedia to me um, is um, is as old as things get. I mean, you know, uh, uh, cave people uh, were, were muttering uh, narratives to one another over the fire and then drawing pictures on, on cave walls to, to show a different aspect of that narrative. So it really goes back. Um, uh, 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 quite a ways, but um, for me, where um, where the 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 notion of um, of transmedia um, uh, became appealing, uh, even at a rudimentary level, when I was a little kid, was that um, the Japanese they they uh, created these uh, uh, comic books and this animation and these movies that all kind of interlinked with one another and and kind of took themselves. Uh, seriously, uh, I was um, a, a kid surrounded by the the detritus of uh, 1970s Hanna Barbera. <laughs> it wasn't <laughs> right. So good, man. You know, Hong Kong Fui was about as good as it got. <laughs> you know, so so when when these amazing um, star-faring craft would would hurl across the screen and and uh, and they'd be making war with one another but in the past the character was in in uh, captain harlock was in love with queen esmeralda but in order to find out about that romance you had to watch a completely different tv series <laughs> um and they were linked uh together and it was a sprawling uh, epic uh story world that was that was amazing to me Right. Um, uh, it, it just meant that the the visionaries behind the intellectual property were taking this world seriously and were taking me seriously, and that made me feel validated for my investment in the uh, in the story. And, and this is kind of a rudimentary question, but like, why does it work, right? Like, because <laughs> at the end of the day, I can you know I can sit there and binge watch Orange Is the New Black, and I don't need to go dig deep about the characters or find out, you know. Although, if it were offered to me, I would definitely participate. I'm a huge fan of that show. I'd or, want to see this more stories about each of those characters. Right. Yeah. But even that, they like they do that in the show, right? So, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's really interesting when you go for, I guess, for rabid fans or even fans of new, like, new properties and how we kind of latch on to things now, you know, wh why? <laughs> it's, 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 a, it's an interesting question. Here's why. It's, it's because... Um, 
uh, I think there's a, a generation that's coming of age um, that um, is able to consume content extremely rapidly and is no longer particularly interested in reviewing that content over and over and over again. You know, when, when we were young, we were stuck with reruns. Right. <laughs> you know, we, um, we had a very limited, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, selection. Uh, now the, the selection is virtually limitless. And, um, and so if, if you want to capture the imagination of your audience and you want to keep them with your intellectual property, with, with your story world, you need to give them offerings that they're going to run into on the devices that they're carrying around with them <laughs> right. or, or, or in the media that they're um, choosing to interact with at any given time. And it's not just about uh, watching that same episode of Orange is the New Black on, on, uh, on, on your mobile and then on your tablet and so forth. It's about learning more about that world and, and uh, interacting with those characters a bit more. Got it. Um... Oh, so your your company is called Starlight Runner, uh, and what do, what does that name mean? <laughs> um, Starlight Runner Entertainment was uh, formed in two thousand, and um, uh, you know, um, uh, it, um, I was told recently, "Wow, that is the most eighties sounding name." <laughs> it is like it, uh, <laughs> that's it. I, I feel like I'm, it's like a flash. Ah! <laughs> Like I feel like that's what I'm gonna. Sorry, pardon my singing, by the way. Uh, but that's 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 kind of like the tone I get from it. But for something that's like so you know sort of built on the future, mm-hmm. um, it's it's really interesting. Well, it, it harkens back to to my um, uh, college days in the 1980s when um, uh, when I first uh, encountered the, uh, the the trash 80 and the Apple II and um, um, and was able to communicate with uh, with people who had my same interests somewhere else in the country. You know, uh, I was a kid from New York City that that wasn't around many other nerds and geeks. That's when it was a bad word to be a nerd or a geek. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was kind of lonely um, to, to be able to... Um, in the middle of the night, make these connections and, um, and play these games and, and, uh, explore these worlds, uh, with people who had the exact same interests. That was amazing. And, and to me, we were all starlight runners. <laughs> we were, we were supporting one another and forming a community, um, uh, out there in, in this weird new dimension. Have and you hired the, any of those people? It just stuck all of them. <laughs> oh wow! <laughs> I thought I was stumpy there, but uh, you're you're a good guy, Jeff Gomez. No, no, I, I, um, I uh, a great pleasure has been working with um, uh, many people that I knew uh, along the way who were, um, uh, you know, when you say nerd or geek, you, you, there's a a hyper speciality about these people. They they become uh, intensely familiar with a certain subject. And what's my job? It's to explore these story worlds and become a super expert at these um, uh, in these brands and these these products and these story worlds. Um, and and I need specialists to help me out. And and I've gotten to hire a, a number of them. That's awesome. Um, and then when you look at, um, I guess when you you kind of look at the the world of uh, of transmedia. 
where do you know where does your passion for it come from right you as an individual like a lot of people think about this kind of stuff but you do it to the nth degree you know why why is this stuff important to you uh, that's a great question and and to uh, uh to get a tiny bit serious um uh I, I, it harkens again back to those those days where um uh if you were interested in a certain thing um, uh, sometimes it could be isolating. Um, uh, and, um, what I realized about, uh, the internet was that it was going to, um, a- allow, uh, many people to make all kinds of different, uh, contacts. Um, what I think that, um, uh, transmedia is really capable of doing is, um, is bridging those, those kind of lonely gaps, um, uh, we inter we interact with um, these narrative uh, universes, and I've gotten to work on uh, spectacular ones, everything from Halo to Pirates of the Caribbean to to Avatar. Um, but um, but what's even more special is the ability for transmedia to build this kind of architecture for dialogue uh, that connects um, uh, many different people storyteller and audience, but audience also with one another. Um, imagine taking that model and applying it um, to social issues, geopolitical issues. It could really give voice to people who, who don't have voices, and, and that is really um, the, the most important aspect of, of transmedia narrative to me. That's really awesome. Uh, yeah, I you know it's funny because a, a lot of the conversations on the show sometimes when we get down to the root of some of these things, it's re- it's really about empowerment. You know, when you're when you're truly passionate about something, is it's either empowering you or it's empowering others like you. You know, in some way, shape, or form. And like even if you're a, if you're Coca Cola, right, or some other sort of you know like a household brand that people don't don't think too deeply about. At the end of the day. There's something about those brands and and or or the people behind them, like you, that is is all about empowerment, in in some way, shape, or form. It, it, you know, I, I think actually it's um, it's something that's on the rise um, uh, because um, uh, in in previous decades, um, the the Coca Colas and Disney's and um, uh, other you know very large corporations. They essentially were in complete control of the narrative. Um, our, our say in the matter um, uh, was uh, limited uh, to a, a few days, usually responding to something awful that's happened. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> right. man on the street interview on the news. And that's about it. Um, now, if, if you take a pie and, and cut a tiny sliver, and that was our voice in the past, you could... Uh, invert that you can completely reverse it we as as uh, as an audience as as participants in our culture are far more in control of the narrative because of social media you know something happens and it becomes instantly the most written about thing in history (laughs) because of how social media is is vastly increasing Um, and and that has um, really contributed to shaping uh, how Starlight Runner works, especially with these big uh, uh, clients, because you know they're they're a little um, uh, you know uh, disgruntled with this. This is you know we're 
what do you mean we can't just dictate <laughs> right. what they should be thinking? <laughs> you know, um, we, um, uh, we have to uh, ask our clients to become more transparent, um, uh, to become more, uh, more honest, more, more engaging with, uh, with the consumer or with their audience. Um, only uh, with that relationship can, can companies keep up or else they will be disrupted, as you've said in the past, and, and start to fall behind. And, and, and with that in mind, I mean, what does it take to truly make these things happen? I mean, you know, because it's one thing to, to go and talk to Halo about it or to Coca-Cola or any of the other companies you've worked with. But it's a, it's a big, you know, it's a, it's a lofty goal. Um, and people think they attempt it. And, and not even that. It's just like... How do you convince an organization that you need to be in all these platforms? This is, you know, this is a story arc. You know, just kind of talk a little bit about what it takes to a get the ideas sold in and b make it happen. Okay, well, that's that's uh, great. Um, it's it's um, um, it, it, yes, you're right. Um, to to just go and give a seminar to to a company, you know, they'll they'll take what they can get out of that, and that's and then it's over. But when we're engaged um, uh, to to work with a company to do these things, they have to accept um, uh, something uh, right off the bat, or, 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 or you know, this concept right off the bat, or else it's not going to work. And that is that um, that we have to uh, build a bond of trust with our client. Um, uh, we have to uh, discern what their narrative is. What is this vision? What is it that they're trying to communicate? Right. And, um, and how have they been communicating it uh, uh, up until now? Because um, uh, something is likely to be askew. Um, uh, it's, it's likely we, we find uh, a lot of kind of archaic approaches uh, to social media and to multi-platform uh, narratives. And... Um, uh, those kinds of changes are so significant that they can't happen without the the company uh, fully trusting that the advice that we're going to give is uh, is good advice and and uh, and that it's going to be worth spending the money to implement the advice. Because it's uh, not it's not a cheap it's not a cheap spend. <laughs> Uh, well, it, 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 it can be if you're small, right. <laughs> but well, if, yeah. you're big, if you don't have a choice, <laughs> require, uh, um, a, a bigger, uh, endeavor. Um, so, so there is an initial assessment, uh, phase where we are, uh, launching a complete inquiry, uh, in, into, um, the company and, and the product and, or, or, or the, uh, uh, the screenplay and the vision of the, uh, of, of the director, or the game and, and so forth. We're just asking a lot of questions. We have a, uh, a an inquiry process um, that is extremely thorough, but relatively fast. It's not necessarily painless. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, from that data that we're gathering, uh, we can fairly uh, quickly discern what the blockages are, um, what the roadblocks are to successful uh, multi-platform extension of the of the narrative, the property, um, and um, and we can also tell whether there are weaknesses in the story, um, which uh, you know uh, often crops up and is something that has to be addressed. 
It's, and how important is it for you guys to be upstream? Like, do people come to you with a property that already exists and you're like, okay, well, there's already infrastructure there? Or, you know, is it from inception? Like, okay, we've got a script in, in hand and we're getting ready to, like, how important is it, A, yeah, for you to be up, upstream? Um, but also, you know, do you get that call after the thing's already been out? Um, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. The, the latter is the, the, the tougher, you know, if, if something is, um, is, has been around a while, um, you know, it's, it's built up some barnacles. It's, um, it's a big, uh, um, uh, freight train that, that has to be steered, you, you know, and takes a long time to make that turn. Um, so we, um, um, it, it's tougher. Um, uh, and, um, uh, uh, you know there are there are people involved in in such an organization that that have very fixed perspectives. They're comfortable with the way things are. Uh, often those organizations are are heavily siloed. Uh, so when we uh, when we're brought into an established um, a property or a product, um, we we have to um, we have to kind of get put in through the top. Um, uh, that's why we work with with C level uh, executives at these companies, and, um, and and yet at the same time we have to pay a lot of attention to the people who are in the middle and at the bottom uh, because we need people to uh, to be cooperative in order to make these transformations work. If it's new, if the if the uh, property is new, if we're handed a screenplay, that's a lot of fun for us because we get to play uh, at the table. Uh, with the key visionaries and key marketers, um, uh, and and help to uh, prevent um, problems that could crop up later uh, uh, in in a um, in a non transmedia sense. And you know what's really interesting to me is the fact that you know this takes a severe amount of buy in from the organization that you're working with. You know it's. It's like even in Allison's experience, kind of working on the the traditional marketing agency side, or my experience as well. It's kind of like you you only have to talk to a couple of people, you know, and and the rest of it is just you know project management and a, a phone call and making sure we're tracking measurables and those kinds of things. But this is you know it it takes so much buy in from so many different levels. Um, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you orchestrate that? Do you get everyone in the room and like, here's our roadmap and you have like everything drawn out on a, a, a 30 foot wall. It sounds like you would need. It's, um, it, it's tough. And you know, the, um, the real key here has been to, um, uh, to learn, uh, for, for ourselves to learn how to communicate these concepts, um, as clearly and concisely as, as possible. Um, uh, I don't know if I'm doing a good job right now. But, um, <laughs> I think I get it. No. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's, um, um, uh, we, we use, um, uh, presentations and, and metaphors and, and things like that. But, um, but really, um, uh, what we found is that there have been people whose job it is at these companies to, to keep track of innovations and what's new and so forth. And then, um, and they take us in and we'll talk to a very, uh, a small group of people and, um, uh, and then they make their decision. And, and the, the, uh, the issue is, uh, I mean, it all always uh, boils down to, um, a, a desire to convey vision. Um, so we like to talk with the visionaries, 
you know, um, uh, the, the visionaries are often really good at conveying that vision uh, through a single medium. Right. You know, um, uh, and and J.J. Abrams wants to make movies, you know, that that's his right. And, and he doesn't have to be an expert at um, mobile game development, you know. Right. Um, and yet uh, for J.J. to understand um, that that mobile game can be an artistic extension of his vision that was in the movie kind of turns him on, kind of makes him think, wow, you know, this is a, a, a nice palette um, uh, from which to paint. And um, that's what gives him his innovation crush. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But, so so getting that buy in uh, with that small group at, at first is is the key. And then um, um, uh, we, we get them to agree that we need to work together to get the buy-in from, from everybody else. Uh, and that sometimes can happen in a big auditorium where everyone comes in and it's like a rallying cry, you, you know, uh, the story world overall, you, you know, if, if, if what you're doing is worth something and is worth communicating to the entire world, then let's team up and, and make it as good as humanly possible. Um, and, uh, and here's exactly how, and I'm going to do a lot of the work for you. <laughs> that, right. That's what it boils down to. <laughs> All you guys have to do is just applaud or I'm just I'm going to make you us. look good. <laughs> <laughs> it's impossible for me, by the way. Oh, no, yeah. no one can make me look good. Uh, see, Allison agrees. Um, so a few years ago, the Producers Guild kind of said, hey, transmedia producers, we will give you a credit now. Um, do, can you kind of talk on that? I don't know if you even had a hand in sort of like that happening, but just what does that mean for, you know, entertainment properties and individuals like yourself? Does that mean you get extra checks once, <laughs> once the residuals start kicking in or like what's, what's sort of the, uh, the play there? I was, uh, shocked and amazed. I had only been talking about, uh, a transmedia production, um, for a couple of years when the Guild approached me and asked me to draft um, the transmedia producer credit. Um, so, yeah, I had a hand in it. <laughs> literally, you literally <laughs> drafted. <laughs> yes, I did. With, uh, with Caitlin Burns, who's also from uh, Starlight Runner, who's a transmedia producer, and we, we wrote the credit. Um, and um, uh, what, what I think they were looking for is um, is they were recognizing that there there is a a very specific skill set, um, uh, a skill set that is actually quite varied and unique um, when you when you put them all together, that they wanted to acknowledge. Um, a, a transmedia producer essentially is responsible for um, uh, uh, defending and protecting the intellectual property as it moves across uh, multiple media platforms. Um, uh, so uh, often they can pull together the creative talent to make these things work across these platforms. They're tracking uh, the production process across many platforms at the same time. That's not an ordinary producer's responsibility. It's a, it's a huge job. You know, um, yeah, they're they're producing the movie or the television show. Um, they they can't be bothered with, you know, how the uh, licensed merchandise is going to play into the the overall uh, narrative. Very few producers do that. Um, so uh, you you have this amazing skill um, that is also as much uh, uh, that of a storyteller 
as it is, for example, a diplomat, a diplomat that's versed in the language of the production process of many different media. Um, uh, that's, that's amazing. And, and they, they're acknowledging that. And in, in acknowledging it, for example, um, a transmedia producer, someone with a skill set, can, can get health insurance as a member of the Producers Guild. Um, there is a certain fee that is now um, a- affiliated with transmedia producer uh, jobs. Um, wow. uh, there, there can even be um, uh, uh, creative uh, responsibilities given to a transmedia producer that could allow for you to get royalties and, um, and to participate in the long term. Well, it just goes kind of sh- to show you, like, you know, I know we talked a little bit earlier about how historically transmedia as a th- as a as a thing, for lack of my uh, vocabulary skills today, um, is is kind of nothing new. But what what this current era of transmedia is allowing is for more opportunity. Um, and it, cause it sounds like, like you said, there's health insurance, there are fees you're able to get. And even I, I, I was at an event last night and I met a, a girl who had just graduated from law school and I go, what, you know, what kind of law are you going to be practicing? She says transmedia IP. And oh go, my gosh, really? Yeah. And I go, that is really interesting. Cause you think about like kind of what you just said was you've got IP on so many different platforms and if somebody's building it and they, you know, maybe you don't have the 50 grand. So you give up a, a percentage of that IP. It, it's, there's a lot of different iterations of how this could exist in the marketplace and from a business standpoint. Um, We're negotiating um, a, a deal right now for an original intellectual property, uh, Chris, and, and we're we're, um, uh, we're it's taking so long. And and finally, yesterday, I, I called up um, uh, the the the, the uh, person in charge, and, and I said, "Why is this contract taking six months to to write?" And and uh, and she finally uh, admitted. Well, you know, we've Tearfully. never done anything like this. <laughs> you know, we don't. You know, we we've we're very traditional. We we um you know we pay you money. You 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 create the product and uh, and we go our separate ways. Now you want us to give you more money because the product has to show up on different platforms in different ways, and we don't know how to do that split. <laughs> right and uh, and so now I, I, I'm I'm in the weird position of advising <laughs> my potential partner on uh, a multi-platform legal work. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it, in this it's such uncharted territory, right? There's no you know like like you said, this woman's like I, we never we've never done it, and yeah. it's exciting and so I guess sort of. Uh, you know, you kind of get impatient at the same time. <laughs> like, you, you yes. know, you, you, you have a production cycle, you have deadlines you want to hit, especially if you, you know, if you're doing something on behalf of a client or even if it's an original property, like right. there's things, you know, there's timing to the, to this whole process and you know, what you would have expected, you know, on a traditional linear story is completely different than what you'd expect on something that's got multiple prongs. But you know what, Chris, it's, it's, it's worth it. Um, because, uh, you're going to see um, a, a new type of of uh, approach, a new type of of technique arise in in storytelling, um, and um, and this will be the, these this native transmedia narrative, um, uh, I- effectively 
um, a, a visionary will will look at these different platforms and and say, you know what, um, this is what surrounds my audience, and I want to I want to sing to them. I want to to tell this story to them in ways that that leverage the strengths of these different devices and screens and and uh, even. Uh, uh, traditional uh, uh, media like uh, uh, stage plays and and things like that, radio, um, and um, and uh, and in doing so, I want to make an artistic statement as such, and um, and that's going to be awesome. It's being done by by artists right now um, in a kind of independent fashion, right? But we're going to really see in in the coming years these. Um, uh, these brilliant um, mass media uh, endeavors that that um, uh, will give rise to a, a new kind of you know storytelling rock star. I have kind of a question, as Chris said, rudimentary. Um, when transmedia, when you're transmedia storytelling, do you does the story have to be different on each medium? Is it a different piece of the story, or I mean, are you failing if you're sort of telling the same story on? you know, on the radio and on TV? Well, if you're telling the exact same story, um, which, which um, happens, for example, with Harry Potter. Um, Harry Potter, no matter where you go, if you're listening to a Harry Potter story, it was directly derived from uh, J.K. Rowling's books. And that's fine. You know, th- that's a, a cross-media or cross-platform mm-hmm. uh, property. Um, uh, with, with transmedia... Where it really can can be amazing is if you're you're enjoying uh, the novels or the TV series, and this this a series of webisodes is created um, that you uh, enjoy because it's it's some of the same characters and and certainly it's the same world, but it throws a completely different perspective on everything. Um, uh, that's what I think is cool. If you're watching some webisodes. And it causes you to think differently about the characters and, and storylines everywhere else in, in that universe. That's kind of awesome. That's that's uh, that's fascinating. Um, you know, we we all have this impression of of stormtroopers from Star Wars. You know, they're almost like these mindless dudes who mm-hmm. who run around. Well, there's been a, a, an animated series called Clone Wars that has uh, given us access to the inner life of these stormtroopers, these clone troopers, and, um, and we fall in love with them and, and, uh, and understand them in a completely different way and feel for the tragedy when they're forced to turn on the Jedi and become a part of the evil empire. That's, that's kind of cool transmedia. Right. Yeah. And also, as an executioner... Well, don't kill anybody, Jeff. <laughs> not an execute. No, me as an ex. Well, there's a, as a as somebody who executes projects. In my mind, I, I just keeps thinking, how long does this take? Like, what is the timeline? I mean, is it like, do you need to approach it? I mean, how long is a timeline from? Yeah, is it a year? Is it a, yeah. is it a, is it a six month cycle? Is it you know sure, two sure. weeks? It, it largely depends on what we're working on. We've done independent films and um, and. Uh, documentary shows from Canada that that are that take us a, a matter of uh, a few months to develop and uh, and help produce um, complementary uh, narrative content to to the show or the documentary. 
um, and and it's fast. Um, with with something like uh, Men in Black Three, uh, we were we were called in uh, during the screenwriting phase, and and so we're we're with that project for eighteen or twenty four months uh, until. Um, the the film's uh, released and and then we're supervising the uh, the multi platform rollout of uh, of that movie. That's pretty sweet. You know, ironically, Alice and I worked together at at the at an at an agency, and uh, we pitched a Men in Black three thing to Sony, but it was it it was too late. It was it, and it was actually really interesting. We wanted to do this whole like. 3D projection uh, mm-hmm. and like stage an alien invasion and a battle, you know, ah. with a 3D projection on a large scale building, and you've got these faux men in black on not four the number, but faux as in false. <laughs> uh, but you've got these faux men in black like on the ground, like actually pursuing in the in, or participating in this alien fight, and, and we even thought to go, you know, uh, a week or two in advance, you actually see black cars driving around that area like you know and, and people start to either snap pictures or like oh my gosh what's going on here and then you lead up to this big kind of um alien battle i'm all excited well yeah it's too late now we should we should we should have had this conversation three years ago <laughs> i think there may be a fourth film so uh, oh, okay save. good make sure you uh, give me a call uh, Allison too. She's, she's yeah. since she's standing here. Um, it, so another question, just really quickly: um, Do you find that uh, transmedia is more adapted by entertainment properties or by brands? Well, um, I, I think um, the the current movement of of transmedia certainly was spurred by um, by interest in Hollywood. Um, uh, we had. Um, uh, people like Joss Whedon, J.J. Abrams, uh, a lot of these uh, uh, showrunners who grew up in the um, uh, the seventies and eighties, who were who who loved these these rich story worlds and wanted to emulate that somehow in their work here in Hollywood. Uh, uh, Professor Henry Jenkins and uh, um, from uh, he was from MIT and wrote about. Uh, convergence culture and transmedia storytelling were he was embraced by these um, talented guys and um, and it started a kind of movement heroes uh, the TV series uh, and a uh, lost and so forth uh, all had uh, multi-platform uh, components that were fairly rich um, uh, so it's I think it's it's moved out from there into things like video games and now uh, Madison Avenue. Um, I, I think the the Madison Avenue component was really spurred by uh, Coca Cola's Happiness Factory, which uh, Starlight Runner was fortunate enough to participate in, uh, developing a story world that that uh, extended vastly all around the the planet um, uh, with different aspects, different characters, and and different narrative threads, all tied into these. Uh, CG creatures who loved their Coca-Cola so much that they built a whole factory uh, in their fantastical world uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. to produce it. And then when you – like, you know, because I think about these examples or if you go and, and you do a presentation and you're talking about transmedia, like I would imagine even the, the presentation takes a long time. Like to go – to walk through a case study, <laughs> 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 right? You don't just go like, ah, and here's the three slides. It's it, – it, 
you know, how do you condense this from your own personal storytelling standpoint when you have to go and explain to somebody what you do? You know, how do you condense this down to a digestible? What's your elevator pitch? Exactly. What is the elevator pitch for? It's, it's tough. You know, it, it's hard. It's hard. And and when I need to do it in like a, a couple of minutes, I just start talking about the way that that uh, that kids uh, absorb um, popular culture these days. Right. It, it is never on just one single uh, medium. You know, what's the communication? How does uh, Lady Gaga keep up when Miley Cyrus is breathing down her neck? Well, she needs to use every medium at hand. <laughs> right. Um, uh, to to deliver her message uh, uh, to these these kids, and um, and there is that's not an accident. There is a methodology to that, and all this is really is is that methodology. This is a technique um, that has been proven time and again uh, uh, to work, and and now we're getting numbers in. Now we're getting uh, absolute proof um, that um, th- this kind of uh, dispersed narrative um, is is uh, more and more effective, and and that's um, that's compelling to to people. It, it it gets their ear, and then we can get into the details. Right. Uh, wow, this has been enlightening. I um, I have one more like uh, a, a test of a passage for you. Uh-huh. Uh, complete this phrase for me, please. Innovation to me is. Uh, new ways of connecting uh, people, especially people who are not yet connected. That's great. That's you actually added on the deeper part of <laughs> part of that. Um, that's that's really awesome. And uh, how can people find you on the uh, interwebs there? Uh, obviously, we just scratched the surface, guys. And I know, I know. <laughs> you know, there's so much to talk about. So, so. Um, what I want to do is is uh, give your audience some uh, some resources. There is a website called Transmedia Coalition um, that really has some marvelous case studies. I mean, it, there's one about Fast and the Furious that is just astounding. Wow! <laughs> uh, on that uh, on that site, so that's transmediacoalition.com, and. Um, and of course, I'm willing to uh, to answer questions and um, uh, and, and show people um, the efficacy of, of transmedia narrative. Just uh, go to the Facebook page, Starlight Runner Entertainment, um, or uh, follow me on Twitter at Jeff J E F F underscore Gomez G O M E Z. Got it. Uh, do you have any questions for us? You don't have to. I just, you know, <laughs> kind of, I throw it out there for as filler. But um, no, well, actually, I, I'm 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 curious about um, uh, the what what I see have been themes in what you guys have been uh, talking about in, in recent uh, uh, months. Uh, the fact that these innovations are making uh, people more empowered. It's not just about um, uh, increasing revenue streams. Um, it, it, would you say that about the the um, the essence of the show? Yeah, I think so. I, you know, I, I think it's definitely you know it it does come down to like 
a deeper meaning. You know, I, I ran an agency for a while, and one of the things I used to always ask prospective clients, you know, I, I would go through a series of exercises, you know, and questions like you guys do, but I would always try to get to the why moment, right? Like you'll you get through the fluff and the flash, and you know, oh, everybody loves us, and, and then you get down to like we really want people to do X or to be able to do X. And to me, that's always, you know, that's the meat of why anybody's doing anything, even if it is a revenue stream, right? If you're trying to to set a new precedent in business models, you know, that's innovative. That's going to put food on somebody's table at the end of the day, not just like stack somebody's bank account, but, you know, that's a means of employing other people. Somebody else can copy that model and, and run with it. You know, when I look at there was somebody else on the show who when we talked about innovation, it was kind of building on what's next. As a matter of fact, uh, one woman put it, she said, innovation to me is pancakes. And I go, and I go really? And she says, um, she said, because pancakes are super plain, but you can put a ton of things on top of them to make them very unique, very different from bananas to strawberries to syrup. But, you know, just you can add whatever you want to on it to make it your own. And so um, I think when people get that sort of knowledge or that inspiration or, or hear really specific examples. And I think a lot of times when you go to even to go see you speak, you know, it's a 20 minute, you know, thing or a 40 minute panel with eight people on it. So you don't, like you said, we even in this, in this conversation, we only got to scratch the surface. So, um, at least in this format, we can be a little bit at length. We can meander, we can, you know, kind of go from one point to the next and come back to it and, um, and just have a, a really natural progression in the conversation to, to get the best thinking out there. I hope. Sure. sure. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You know, the, some of the, the best moments, in in my day um, uh, happen when I am communicating to uh, a CEO or or to a a creative visionary and I get to remind them that the thing that they're creating the thing that they're the product that's going out there is going to be somebody's first um, and um, and it, it could be a lot of people's first, and and there. My first was pretty awful, by the way. Just <laughs> so. No, you know what I mean. It, it, it's, <laughs> yeah. it's um, it's it's a communication um, that is reaching a, a huge number of people. Um, so what are we going to do ab- about that? You know, uh, do do we? It, it's easy to forget um, that that lives can be impacted by the stories that we're telling. Yes. And um, um, uh, and and what I do, this analysis that we do sometimes shows um, our clients um, that that there is me- deep meaning to what's going on, that the message um, is empowering, is uh, enlightening and um, or, or can be made to be so. Um, and why not do that, uh, given the chance um, and and what's fun is occasionally uh, I get a very strong response uh, to that and, and and saying, hey, you know what? I hadn't even thought of it that way. You're right. Let's make that stronger. Let's let's uh, let's build that narrative in a better way and reach these people right. in, in more empowering ways. And we get to do that. And that's that's the best part of being at uh, Starlight Runner. Yeah, it's it's pretty incredible, especially you know, and it, 
when you can make a tangible difference in someone's life, isn't you know it's different than when you go see a movie and you go back and you, you sit back and you're like, oh, that was a good movie. But like when you feel you know acknowledged and empowered, and there's there's tangible evidence and things that you can actually implement into your life, even on behalf of a you know an entertainment property, yep. um, it, it you you've deepened your relationship with the audience and that individual consumer even more. So um, so yeah. Sure. So thank you so much. For, uh, for joining us. Absolutely, guys. Thank you so much. Uh, very insightful talk. Thank you. Um, and this has been another episode of Innovation Crush. Uh, Allison, thank you for joining us. Thank you. This has been great. So, uh, Jeff, you take it easy. Enjoy Orange County. And uh, if you get to come up north a little bit, hit us up. You got it. All right, man. Thank you. Bye, Jeff. Bye. Bye-bye. If you like listening to comedy, try watching it on the internet. The folks behind the Sideshow Network have launched a new YouTube channel called Wait For It. It's got interviews with comedians like Reggie Watts, Todd Glass, Liza Schleisinger. Schleisinger, I've been friends with her for 10 years. One of the funniest people out there, and I still have a hard time with the last name, Liza. Our very own Owen Benjamin, that's me, takes you on a musical journey down internet rabbit holes and much more. You don't have to wait any longer. Just go to youtube.com slash waitforitcomedy. There's no need to wait for it anymore. Because it's here. And it's funny. And I love you. A few days ago, Brooke Tudine posted an inspirational quote on her wall that got 17 likes and three comments. Thumbs up, Brooke. Geico also wants to make a comment. In just 15 minutes, you could save hundreds of dollars on your car insurance by switching to Geico. And nothing says inspiration better than saving money. Well, except for those posters that say things like teamwork, excellence, and make it happen. Hashtag keep climbing. Hashtag savings. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance.